This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's your weekly blitz with Chris, keeping you in the game. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope the world is treating you well and you're having a great day. Gosh, I can't believe it's 2022. Coach Chris Cotton here from Autofix Auto Shop Coaching, where we work hard to support your financial success. If you have an idea for a show topic or just want to talk shop, then feel free to get with me at chris at autofixsos.com. Hey, before we get started, though, with phase one of repairing your repair shop, I'd like to take a quick second to give a shout out and thank our sponsor, AutoLeap. Are you looking to grow your auto repair shop? AutoLeap is a modern cloud-based shop management software that keeps your existing customers coming back while making it easier to win a new audience and drive significant growth. AutoLeap allows you to keep complete track of your shop from scheduling appointments to managing technicians and generating invoices as well. It doesn't get any better than AutoLeap, the leader in auto repair software. AutoLeap helps you grow, is easy to use, and builds customer trust. Make your customers happier, your repair shop more profitable, and your life easier, all with AutoLeap. Check them out at www.autoleap.com to see for yourself. A couple of weeks ago, I did a general overview of what coaching slash repairing your repair shop looks like. In it, I gave some bullets for each phase. This week, I wanted to to go into phase one in a little bit more detail and, and tell you about the work that goes into it. I'm assuming you're here and I'm assuming I'm assuming you want to to learn how to do it. So I'm going to kind of talk to you as if you're already a client of mine and I'm laying this out to you. Okay. So the first off is congratulations, kudos to you. You've realized you need help. Uh, you've asked for it and now you got it. Okay. So some of the very first things we've got to do, and, and two, I'm assuming your your business is in this stage. Businesses come to me in, in several different stages, but I'm assuming that things are bad. You've waited too long to call a coach and you're here now in a pain point and you're either losing money or something's not right. And so that's where we're starting. If you're not in this phase, then that's why I did them individually. So back, um, we have to get profits in line First, you have to be making money in order to keep the doors open. And then from there, we go into processes and procedures, everything like that. So again, good for you for saying yes, you're here, we're started. But guess what? There's no silver bullet. It's now time to put into work, to rise and grind. You didn't get in the situation you're in overnight. It's okay if you don't know what you don't know, but it's not okay to stay there. Okay. I just need you to realize that things can and will get better. And what follows are the step to greatness. I have never lost a shop that's come to me and said, Chris, I need help. I've been able to save 100% of the ones that came in, said they needed help, and then put in the work. Make sure I make that clear, that put in the work. There were some that failed just because they didn't do anything. They said they wanted help, but really they didn't because they didn't make any changes. Anyway, I think I've got 11 steps in here. And the first one is we have to start at the beginning, right? So many people in the industry call it different things. You call it different things, whether it's the, whether you call it the income statement, the, the P and L or the P or L is what I like to call it. Cause at the bottom, it only shows a profit or a loss. There's no in between. Whatever you call that, this is how we check the true margins of the business. This is our true scorecard for success. Okay. It also has to be organized in a way that is readable. 
to actually give you your numbers and what you need. So there's five areas of income on an income statement. If you do towing or other type of things, if you do auto repair and ATV or snowmobile repair, then we would want to separate this out a little bit further. But I'm going from a general repair shop that does tires. That's that's the, the, the angle I'm going at. So your five areas of income are labor, parts, tires, sublet, and shop supplies. Okay? You can't just have a general income line and throw everything in that and have it at the top. That's great. That tells you what your income is, but that doesn't tell you we can't check labor margin off of that. We can't check parts margin off of that, tires or anything else. It's just like a big glob. So we have to separate it out in these categories. So then we have our offsetting categories for all these and cost of goods sold. For a labor income line, you're going to have a, a labor cost line. Now, your labor cost should only have your technicians and anything related to the technicians in it. Like all your vacation time, workers' comp insurance, uniforms, Anything that your technician has as a benefit should go in the cost of goods for the the technicians. We're not adding service advisors in here. We're not adding shop owners in here. Nothing else. This is just production labor. Okay. And then also we're going to have the parts income line, the parts cost of goods sold, tires under the income, cost of goods sold, sublet income, cost of goods sold, shop supplies, both areas. Okay. So if you have a question or want to know what this should look like, I want you to shoot me an email at chris at autofixsos.com and say, hey, Chris, can you send me your sample income statement? What does it look like? And I'll shoot you that. Just in the subject line, just put income statement. Okay. You cannot run your business without one of these. I've seen all types. I've seen all kinds. I've heard all kinds of excuses why people don't have them. It's not acceptable. If you if you run a business, you have to have an income statement. Okay, I've gotten them on napkins. I've waited five months for people to produce them. This is something, and I'm going to talk about it here in a minute. But this is something you have to have an active role in. Okay, so that was number one. So number two is if you don't have an income statement, then you have to hire a bookkeeper. It doesn't have to be an accountant. There's some great bookkeepers that are specific to the auto repair industry. I can put you in touch with a couple. They can help you get organized. They work really, really fast. And considering this is like one of the most important things in your business, this this has to get done. My preference would be for that you or somebody in your business do it and update it daily. Okay. You should never be more than 24 hours from your income statement being up to date. If you give it to an accountant and have to wait three weeks, that's too late to even change. Like it, like if you come to me in December and I'm like, okay, let's make some changes here before January and it's three weeks into January, then guess what? We've blown it and we've made changes for February off of December's numbers. And then now we're always a month behind and we're always twisting the dial, reacting way too late. Has to be quick. You have to be able to look at it. It, it gives you the true margins. Like your, your point of sale system says one thing, but your income statement will, will completely say another. This is where you'll find out if people are stealing from you. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff the income statement will tell us if we're, if we're looking at it, okay? You got to have it done quickly, people. 24 hours or less, your income statement should be updated. And if your current accountant and or bookkeeper can't do that, then fire them. There are plenty of people out there that can do it for you. 
Um, this is not even something I would even do to an account in my personal business. I make sure my income statement is completed and ready every day at the end of the year. Um, I'm recording this um, right before the end of the year. Uh, January 3rd, when that Monday rolls around, I'm going to email that to the accountant and all they've got to do is, is finish it and get it back to me. Don't let this important piece of business be in somebody else's hand. Take control of it. Recently, I had a shop owner contact me and he's like, hey, Chris, I want to sell my business. And I'm like, great, let's look at the numbers. And they're like, oh, well, our accountant's working on 2020's numbers. Guys, it's 2022 and they still don't have 2020's numbers and they want to sell their business. We can't sell a business at that point. We have nothing to show them. And, and my guess is, is probably we don't have any income to show them anyway or no profits. So that's tough. You have to have this in line, okay? So that was number two. Number three, do you have a great point of sale system? Um, you have to have that for great daily reporting, daily time management, the ability to interface with your customer, a DVI, like your point of sale system should have a DVI built in. And I've seen some forums and things here lately where people are like, oh, well, I can't justify, you know, I'm using QuickBooks. I can't justify going and spending $300 on a, on a point of sale system. You can't not justify that. You have a point of sale system. You put your parts matrix in there. You put your, your labor rate in there. You do your shop supplies. On average, a DVI process, if you switch from a paper process to a DVI process, it increases your average repair order $242. And you're like, Chris, you made that number up. Hell no, I didn't. I've been doing this for a long time. Every customer that I've taken from paper copies to a great point of sale system, when you do the numbers, it always averages out within $10 to $15 plus or minus a $242. I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but it does. So if you run 100 cars a month, you're telling me that you're going to let $300 for that month keep you from making another $24,000? I don't think so. Be real people. Do the numbers on it and get it in there. And again, you need to be able to see your margins in real time on the work orders and estimates, and you have to be able to adjust. Look at your work orders, look at your estimates, look at an estimate before you send it out. And then we use this first and then follow it up by using the income statement. Okay. And by following up, I mean, we're just double checking it. If your point of sale system says you made a 70% labor margin and 55% parts margin, can we go back to the income statement and do the math and make sure that that's correct? Most of the time it's a little bit off and we'll need to adjust, especially we're going to talk pay plans here in a little bit. But if you're paying your technicians and your service advisors off of margins and things like that, then it has to match the other. It, it shouldn't be shouldn't be in the technician's favor and it shouldn't be in your favor as a shop owner. It should be right to the money within like half a percentage point. We've got the tracking and measurement things kind of down and, and now we have to make sure our margins are in order. You've got to have your parts matrix in your point of sale system. If you don't know what your what a parts matrix is, or if you've never seen one before, shoot me an email in the subject line, put parts matrix, Chris at autofixsos.com, and I'll send you a copy of mine. Okay. Your labor rate. Your labor rate has to pay your people well and let you make a profit. And also we have to look at next year. Like what kind of training are we going to do? How do we pay for that training? If we shut down the shop for half a week, your labor rate for the whole year pays for all of that. You have to, you have to you have to figure that in 
And so this is how we figure out what our labor rate should be. We don't use the Oreo method. We don't guess. We don't use our neighbors. You have a business. You have to figure out the metrics for your specific business. So what you do is you take your technician costs loaded. And loaded means all your taxes and benefits, workers' comp, uniforms, company lunches, training, everything like that. And then you want to multiply that times 3.5, which will get you to about 71%. And I want you to be at a 71% labor margin or better. Okay. So what I would say is take your cost, multiply that times 3.5. And then we also want to do a labor matrix on top of that of at least 25%. That can go into a great recruiting tool. If you have a technician say, hey, you bill out 40, 40 hours a week. But with our labor margin, you're going to get paid for test drives, cleaning and everything else. A guy that bills out 40 actual hours actually gets paid for 48 if you have them on flag time. That's a great recruiting tool and a great way to pay for your training and everything else. So that was number four. Number five, we've got to track and measure, track and measure, track and measure. If we can track it and measure it, we can fix it. Okay, so we've got our income statement in place. We've got our point of sale system in place. We fixed our our margins. And now it's time for number five, tracking and measuring. We have a great profit gateway at AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching. It's available to all of our clients. If you don't want to be a coaching client and you want access to it, um, for $89 a month, you can you can go in. We're getting ready to debut a tire portion to it as well. That includes both the part side of it, or excuse me, the auto repair side of it and the tire side of it. And if you just want to put your numbers in there, we can set up your goals and and get you going with all that. You just shoot me an email or give me a call. So some of the most important KPIs that we track are average repair order, average estimate, effective labor rate, labor hours per repair order, and technician productivity. The very most important one out of here is average estimate. If you're trying to drive a $600 average repair order and your average estimate is $400, guess what? You ain't going to make it. So you have to look at what's my inspection process? What are we doing? Do we have too many cars? Do we not have enough cars? What are we doing when cars come in? Okay. And on our profit gateway, we track 25 KPIs and then the tires are tracked uh, separately. And those are the most important ones. But um, the ones I'm talking about here are just some of the, the, the main drivers of that. But again, if we can track it and measure it, we can fix it. If we're not tracking and measuring, there's nothing we can do about anything. Okay. That was number five. So number six, processes and procedures. This is, this is a huge list, right? You should be able to hand somebody on their first day of the job, their employee handbook, assign them a mentor, and give them all the processes and procedures pertaining to their job in like a big folder. You can do it online, but also give it in their folder. There should also be a checklist for all that. If you can't do that, then you're setting them up for failure and you're setting yourself up for failure. Sometimes it seems a little overdone and I get a lot of kickback on that, but it's not. This is how this is how businesses are ran. And if you want to have a hobby, if you want to have just a shop on the corner, then by all means, don't do this. But if you want to take the next step, you have to have a mechanism in place to hold all your people accountable. We'll talk about that here in a minute. If you don't have any rules or regulations, then you can't hold anybody accountable at all. Okay. 
And you can have 50 processes and procedures in your business. You could have 500, you could have 30. It could be, you know, in this beginning, when this person shows up to work, it should be like how to clock in and clock out. You go to the thing, you clock in and clock out. What type of technology do they use? How to log into their laptop, how to log into their email, um, when to take their breaks, how to take their breaks, how to mop the floor. And I know you guys are laughing, Chris, seriously, how to mop the floor. I was doing a shop visit. This was several years ago and this was not in a repair shop. It was, it was in the restaurant industry. And the supervisor came flying through the room, pointed at this girl and said, mop the floors and then took off. And I'm sitting here watching her and she's about to burst into tears. And so I pulled her aside and I said, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? She goes, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I go, what do you mean? She goes, I don't know how to mop the floor. 17 year old young lady. Parents never taught her how to do it. She's in a job. Supervisor didn't give her any instruction, didn't take time to care and never came back. And so I had to pull him aside and be like, look, I'm going to show this girl how to mop, but we've got some issues here where people should have a basic understanding of, of what they need to have to be successful to do their job. So I actually stopped and took time, showed her how to turn on the hot water. Where's the bucket? Where's the mop? How to replace the mop head? Soap goes in, not this soap, not that soap. Don't ever use this other stuff. And then like a technique to mop the floor. It needs to be to that level. Like you need to be able to pull somebody in and show them that. Okay. And just to list some more off a DVI process, there needs to be like, how do we do that? How do the, how do the technicians look it up? How do they do it every time without fail? If you don't have these things in place, then we're not in a really good practice of doing it all the time. Okay. Time off policy and procedure. I've heard a lot of that here lately, especially with the, the holidays falling on some weird, weird days. Well, we've never, you know, had a new year's on a Saturday before we've never had Christmas day on a Saturday before. If you don't have these things in place, then you don't have a mechanism to hold your people accountable. Most employees want to be held accountable and they want others to be held accountable around them. And this is your, this is your guidebook or your playbook. Okay. And so that takes us into number seven. If you have that in place, then you have a way that you can start actively coaching your employees and hold them accountable to processes and procedures. So just a quick example, the RO audit process. I'm also going to put some of these links in the show notes to blog articles and things like that. That way you don't have to email me about it. I'm going to send, put a link in there for the time off policy and procedure. And I'm also going to do a link for the RO audit process. Okay. Either the supervisor or you is going to go back and look at every repair order that comes through the shop. Did we get the information on there? Did we get the customer's information on there? Did we charge things out correctly? Did we not charge out things correctly? We had a service advisors group that we were leading a year or so ago. We were doing repair order audits. I had looked at a repair order audit, saw something different, handed it to the person in charge and said, hey, what's wrong with this repair order audit? And they caught something completely different. They charged a customer for a part that they didn't install on the car. So he was able to call the shop and be like, look, I know we didn't install this. We need to go back, fix this repair order, call the customer and issue a refund. I, I, I'm not necessarily doing it to catch people doing wrong, but catch things when we're doing wrong, like when we're not te- treat, treating the customer right. If you don't have those things to make your job and communication with the customer easier, then you don't have a, a way to treat the customer right. That's what we're here for is to take care of the customer. Okay, so once you start actively coaching your employees and holding them accountable to the process and procedures, 
you're going to find, this is number eight, you're going to find that there are people that are right for your business and you're going to find people that are wrong in your business. And the people that are wrong in your business can't continue in the business. I don't care how bad you feel about having to fire somebody or whatever else. I ask this question a lot in coaching sessions. If you bought your business today, knowing everything you know, and made everybody reapply, would you hire all these people or are there people working there that you would not hire? And typically the answer is always like, yeah, there's one or two that I wouldn't hire. My question is, why the hell are those people in your business? Amazon pays incorrect employees to go away. We should too. If those people are not moving your business forward, then they're holding your business back. Okay. I'm a firm believer that there are some people that can only get you so far in your business. And I've talked about this in previous episodes where we have service advisors that can only get us to $100,000 a month level or $150,000 a month level, but we have capacity to do $300,000 a month. Those people have limiting behaviors and they're holding you back. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, limiting behaviors, you can go back and listen to my episode on limiting behaviors. So eight, identifying the right people to keep in the business and the people that aren't going to be able to continue with the business need to go away. Number nine, I I set this separately because I think this is a huge thing that we don't do. At the beginning of the corona and at the beginning of pandemic, we buckled down, we took great care of our customers, and now that we're all so busy, we're all getting lazy. So number nine is phone skills and coaching. You or somebody outside the company has to be listening to phone calls for the customers and the service advisors and be coaching them on sales skills. The goal of the phone call when they first come in is to sell the appointment. After that, we have to make sure that we're keeping up with them. I've also got a blog article on phone call auditing, how to do phone call audits. I'll make sure that that's in the notes so you can click on it and read it. And that's phone skills and coaching. Okay. Next, number 10 is sales skills. You have to be on top of your game. There's a reason why people have sales programs and how to sell, how not to sell, identifying buying personalities, when to push, when not to push. I'm not a pushy salesperson. I never was in my shop and I don't I don't coach it that way. We want to write everything that we find that in our professional opinion the car needs and and we're treating that car like it speaks a language and our customer speaks a language and we're the interpreter. We're taking the information from the car, presenting it to the customer and letting the customer decide. If you do that and you show integrity and you've built a relationship with them, then then they will um, reciprocate that by spending money back with you. That sales skills have to have to work on sales skills. Number 11, and this is kind of this is going to take us towards the end. When we have all those other things fixed and in place and have ability to track and measure and see what our margins are, see what we're capable of. The number 11 is is adjusting pay plans for service advisors and technicians. These pay plans have to be easy to understand. The employee needs to be able to explain that to their significant others. If you give somebody a pay plan and they can't walk in and show their spouse, um, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, how they get paid and explain it, it's a terrible pay plan. And the first thing, first thing is going to happen is about four months from now, the spouse is going to come in and be like, hey, my other doesn't know how he gets paid, how she gets paid, and I want to know how this works. Because what happens then is, is the spouse starts putting pressure on the employee and saying, hey, you don't make enough money, you need to go ask for more. 
And that's usually where that comes from. Usually our employees don't, aren't really concerned about it. Usually that pressure comes from somebody else. Also on this one, there's all kinds of ways to pay your employees. Like you can pay them hourly. I've got some people that use them in the state of Texas. You pay contractors. I hate it. I would never do it personally. I would never advise it. But there's all kinds of ways to pay your employees. I've done hundreds of different pay plans, probably 20 different ways. I've got some experimental pay plans that I've got that I'm waiting for the right shop to come along to put them in place. I did a pay plan on the West Coast where everybody got paid minimum wage, including the owner, and then they shared gross profit at the end of the month, the percentage of gross profit. Everybody got a bonus check. We've done flat rate. We've done flat rate with guarantees, flat rate with bonuses. I've structured pay plans, again, several different ways, but this is one of the other steps. And this is one of the final steps of closing out this first phase. And this first phase may take three months. It may take six months. It may take a year and a half, depending on how fast the shop owner goes, how fast they can get all this in place and when they can move forward with it. Okay. So that takes us to number 11 and that's it. All right. So thanks for taking time out of your busy day to listen. If you haven't found us on Apple Podcasts, enter Spotify and followed us for free, then why the heck not? It is free after all. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or some other app, I'd love it if you'd leave a review for me. This has been Coach Chris Cotton from AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching. If you find yourself struggling in your auto repair business or have a feeling like you don't know what you don't know, but you're eager to learn and grow your business, then please feel free to reach out to me, Chris at AutoFixSOS.com, or give me a call at 940-400-1008. Time to get out and rise and grind, everybody.